Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That is C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also read my regular CBSSports.com column, Agents Take on NFL Salary Cap and Contract Matters. With the 22 NFL Draft in the rearview mirror, uh, this time around we're going to look at some financial ramifications, observations related to the 2022 NFL Draft and consequences of the picks. Now, first off, the draft pick deals are going to be pretty flat. Um, signing bonuses only going to go up 1%. Um, and from what I've been told, signing bonuses are going to stay at 1% as an increase for the foreseeable future. And part of that is related to having to pay back money because of the losses during 2020 due to the pandemic. Now, that being said, we'll put this into uh, context. The last year, Trevor Lawrence, uh, the first overall pick, got a $24,118,900 signing bonus. Trayvon Walker, the first overall pick this year, also by the Jaguars, both years, signing bonus be $24,360,088, increase. The way the rookie deals work, um, there's certain constraints. The, you have your rookie pool number, which is your first-year cap number. The increases can only be, the annual increase is going to be 25% of that rookie pool number. So to kind of put in context, which is more easy to understand, than the actual rookie pool numbers these guys have, which I'll get to in a minute. Let's say you have a $4 million rookie pool number. This is just for illustrative purposes. You can go up 25%. That means your second pool cap, second year cap number is $5 million because a million dollars is 25%. Third year cap number is $6 million. Fourth year cap number is $7 million. You don't compound the 25%. It's just 25% of that first year, the increase from year one to year two from um, – and your uh, base salary for all draft pick deals is 705 league minimum. So to figure out the signing bonus, you subtract 705 from the 4 million, that gets you 3.295. That's the signing bonus proration for each of the four years of your uh, rookie pool of your rookie rookie deal. You multiply that by four, that'd be 13.18. And then you would for the successive years you back out the signing bonus proration, and that'll tell you what the base salaries would be. Now, that being said, the numbers they give you for rookie pool numbers aren't easily divisible and round. Trayvon Walker's rookie pool number is going up 1.57% of Trevor Lawrence's. His is $6,795,022. Lawrence's was $6,689,725. Now, um, working for those constraints and parameters, that means that uh, Walker's deal total is going to be $37,372,621 uh, compared to Lawrence's $36,793,486. So Walker's deal is going to average $9,343,155 compared to Lawrence's 
$9,198,372. That's a 1.57% increase. So these deals are staying flat. Um, not quite as extreme as going from 2011 to 2012 when the salary cap went up nominally from 120.375 to 120.6. And in order to keep the rookie pool, the rookie deals from um, dropping, they had to borrow from future pools. And Cam Newton's signing bonus, I should say Andrew Luck's signing bonus, was the same as Cam Newton's. They stayed flat, so they got the exact same deal here. You got a very nominal increase, and that's going to be how it's going to be in 2023, 2024. I'm not sure how many more um, years after that. But rookie pools, uh, rookie deals aren't going to go up. No huge increase because the cap has gone up a little over 14% from $208.2 million. Uh, from 182.5 million to 202.8 million, not happening with the rookie deals. They're going to pretty much stay put. Now, um, one of the most surprising things I saw in the draft this year was that quarterback wasn't king. Typically, teams will overdraft quarterbacks, and this year, patience was exercised and discipline on drafting quarterbacks, which is really an indictment on this year's quarterback draft uh, class. The first quarterback was Kenny Pickett going number 20 to the Steelers. And last time the first quarterback went later than 20th was 25 years ago when Jim Druckenmiller was taken by the San Francisco 49ers. It's a 26 overall pick in 1997. Um, Pickett is going to sign a four-year deal, Um, should be... $14,067,900 $14,067,900 of total signing bonus of $7,411,200 is 24 overall pick. Now, we had three quarterbacks going to the third round, no quarterbacks in the second. Desmond Ritter, Falcons, 74th, was second. Malik Willis, 86th to the Titans, was third. Matt Corral, 94th um, to the Panthers, was fourth. Bailey Zappo was the fifth quarterback. Um, fourth round pick 137 to the New England Patriots. Now, last the uh, last time we had the fifth quarterback uh, go so late, go later than this, was in 2000 when Mark Bolger was the fifth quarterback taken in the sixth round by the Saints, 168th pick. That same year, the greatest quarterback of all time was picked after Bolger. In 2000, Tom Brady, 6th round pick, 199th overall pick. Now, this draft class of quarterbacks in terms of how they've gone, um, when they go, it also relates to the 2000 draft class. That year you had Chad Pennington, first quarterback, go 18th. Second one was Giovanni Carmazzi. You're like, who the hell is that? Um, Third round pick. 65th overall to the 49ers. Chris Redman was the third quarterback, 75th overall pick to uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Now, fifth quarterback this year, fourth round pick, 137. How's that compare to recent drafts? Last year, he had five go in the first 15. So you had five go before pick-wise before the first one was taken this year. And Mac Jones was the fifth one to New England, 15th. 2020, you had five going the first 53 picks. Jalen Hurts was the uh, fifth quarterback, 53rd overall pick in the second round. 2018, you had five going the first round. Lamar Jackson was the fifth one to the Ravens, 32nd overall pick. So I was really surprised that um, 
teams exercise so much discipline um, of quarterbacks. And where we saw the drafting the quarterbacks affect the veteran was there was speculation that Baker Mayfield would be traded um, to the Panthers at some point during day two of the draft. Didn't happen. The biggest sticking point was how much salary that the Browns were going to eat of Baker Mayfield's fully guaranteed $18.85 million uh, fifth-year option. That was the bigger sticking point than anything else. Now, where what happens to Baker Mayfield now the draft is over? To me, the spot which screams where he should go, and they haven't seemed to have a lot of interest in him, Seattle. Seattle didn't draft a quarterback. They got the worst quarterback room in the league to me. You got Geno Smith, who is in the lead right now. Drew Locke, who they talk up like he's uh, got a, he's going to be a potential starter who can play well. And Jacob Eason, that's your quarterback room. Now, if you stay with that quarterback room, this is my opinion, you might as well have a marketing slogan called Busting for Bryce, meaning Bryce Young, because you ain't, you're not going to win very many games with those three guys as your quarterback. You're clearly in, in a rebuilding mode. Now, uh, to me, that screams go get Baker Mayfield if you can for a 2023 pick, which could be conditional and elevate based on what he does. Um, we'll see if Seattle goes that route now that he's still there. In Cleveland, how long is he going to be there? And does Baker Mayfield just start showing up at some point? I've, he's obligated contractual if he's still around to come to mandatory minicamp in June. And less excused, uh, he'd be fined close to $100,000. I think the three-day fine is like um, like 97 and some change if he missed all three days. Um, if he's still on the roster by then. Mayfield should want to be someplace sooner rather than later so he can start running the offense. Now, um, there's been some talk that Cleveland could keep him around in case there's an injury. Um, Use him as an insurance policy, kind of like in hope for a situation that you don't want to see, which happened in 2016. Philadelphia Eagles were set to start uh, Sam Bradford, the year they drafted Carson Wentz uh, second overall. But Teddy Bridgewater had a gruesome knee injury right before the start of the regular season, which was career-threatening, and he goes for a first and fourth round pick to the Vikings and starts for them. Obviously, you're never getting that type of compensation for Baker Mayfield, but that's just the general principle. Now, one thing I wonder about is, is it in the back of Cleveland's mind that the discipline for Deshaun Watson might be more extensive than conventional wisdom suggests. Uh, most people bandied around anywhere from a four to eight game suspension of the personal conduct policy. But is Roger Goodell going to be influenced by what just happened with Trevor Bauer in MLB, where he got a two year suspension for domestic violence uh, violations? And I guess the take would be that you don't look at this as a first-time offense for Deshaun Watson, and you would take each individual lawsuit as a separate violation. That'd be the only way you'd get massive discipline. But 
from an optic standpoint, I wonder, they're, they're not apples to apples, the cases, uh, but I wonder from an optic standpoint if that is going to influence what happens in the NFL in terms of ultimate discipline for Deshaun Watson. And would Cleveland have that in the back of their mind that maybe we try to hold on to Mayfield because what if Watson, what we thought suspension would be, ends up being a lot worse. Um, they got they signed Jacoby Brissett to be the backup, have no leverage to try to trade Mayfield. So um, we'll see where that thing goes. Now, it's a banner year for wide receivers in the draft. You had six going the first 18 picks. That has never happened before. And you had a run on wide receivers really starting at 10. Drake London went eighth to the uh, Falcons. He was the first one. Then you had Garrett Wilson go 10 to the Jets. Chris Olave when um, New Orleans moved up from 16 um, with the Commanders. Uh, he goes uh, 11th. Jamison Wilson goes 12th um, to the Lions. Jahan Dotson then goes 16th to the Commanders. And Traylon Burks, 18th to the Titans. Now, Green Bay missed out on a receiver during this run and did not take one until the second round with Christian Watson, where um, they gave up their two second-round picks, 53 and 59, to move up to 34 to take him. Now, the Lions at 12 made a huge jump from 32nd, moved up 20 spots, got Williams in the 46th pick for, gave up the 32nd pick, last pick in the first round, 34th pick in the 6th pick. Now, if you look at draft charts, and I wondered, uh, maybe Green Bay could have made a move. What would have been the equivalent move? So I looked at the Jimmy Johnson um, draft chart and also the Jason uh, Fitzgerald, Brad Spielberger draft chart. And the closest thing I could come up to an equivalent trade, and I wonder if Green Bay even thought about moving up for a uh, Jamison Williams or not. But the closest thing I could come to which could be comparable would be given the picks that the teams had. Green Bay would move up to 12 um, from 28th. And they'd also get the 77th pick in return. And they would give up. 28, the second first round pick, 53 and 59. They gave up 53 and 59 to get Christian, Christian Watson um, to move up to 34th. So if Green Bay had been thinking that, um, that may have been uh, one move that they could have made. Now, what we saw that was interesting was there was a wide, two wide receiver trades. Um, one, the Baltimore Ravens approached trades of disgruntled players a little bit differently than we'll say the 49ers are with Debo Samuel. In 2021, Orlando Brown didn't want to be there because uh, he couldn't play left tackle. Ronnie Stanley had that uh, spot occupied. He wanted to be a left tackle. He was playing right tackle. They shipped him to Kansas City before the draft. They've known for months Marquise Brown No, wasn't a fan of this offense, which is very running back heavy, run heavy, tight end centric, not wide receiver friendly, he wanted out. So they trade him to the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Uh, they give up uh, Brown in a third-round pick for the 23rd overall pick. Now, I wonder how much the draft compensation was influenced by the six-game suspension that was announced for PEDs with uh, Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins. 
would the draft compensation have been this much? If Arizona didn't have a need for the first six games with Hopkins out when they're a playoff team last year, he gets off to fast starts and fades. Um, Cardinals picked up uh, the fifth-year option for Brown, exercised it for a fully guaranteed $13.413 million. He had 91 catches for 1,008 receiving yards last year. He's a deep threat. Um, then the surprise trade was A.J. Brown. Uh, Mike Vrabel had said as long as he's head coach of the Titans that A.J. Brown was going to be a Titan. Well, he's now Philadelphia Eagle. Um, 18th overall pick was moved, and they got a third-round pick for him. Um, signability became an issue. Um, four-year, $100 million deal. He signs um, in connection with the trade, $40 million fully guaranteed. $57.22 million in overall guarantees. It's $69 million over the first three new years of the extension. There's $31 million in the last year of the extension. So we'll see if he's still around to collect that. Um, Brown said he would have stayed if he'd gotten $22 million per year. He would have stayed for $22. He Brown said the offer was $16 million, um, up to $20, which to me is a bad faith first offer. There's no way you're making a realistic first offer that could be taken seriously by the agent if you're under Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk has never had a thousand yard year. Brown's been to two Pro Bowls. Um, sign a free agency with the Jaguars. 72 million over four years. 18 million per year. 37 million fully guaranteed. Maxes out at 21 million with makeable incentives. So if I'd represented Brown, one of the things I might have done is throw out what I thought was an equally insane first offer on my side. Apparently, uh, reports where he won 8 million guarantees, maybe that was his response, but I would have been well over 30 million in my first offer. But signability became an issue. Uh, Brown's in Philadelphia. Now, this puts Jalen Hurts on the hot seat. He has no excuses not to succeed. You got a running game in Miles Sanders. Uh, you took Devonta Smith last year in the first round. This trade also kind of makes up for Jalen Rieger not working out as the first round pick he took in 2020. You got Dallas Goddard who is a Pro Bowl caliber tight end. Uh, so if Jalen Hurts can't succeed with those weapons, there's going to be a new quarterback in Philadelphia in 2023. It won't be Jalen Hurts. One thing this does do is it kind of crystallizes the market, particularly for DK Metcalf. Uh, that was Brown's teammate in Ole Miss, has the same agent in Tory Dandy. So he said they'll work something out in Seattle, but it's going to have to at least be First three years, New Year's, $69 million, and you're probably going to be in the same $25 million per year neighborhood. Now, Tennessee, uh, they don't want to pay that, but Traylon Burks' deal, and this shows the disparity, he's going to sign a four-year rookie deal, which averages $3,590,661. Signing bonus is going to be $7,550,000. Uh, $60. Deal total $14,362,645. So, you got $100 million extension with $57.22 million in guarantees, 40 full guaranteed signing versus basically 14-4. How does this impact Debo? Well, John Lynch says that um, issues aren't insurmountable. Same agent, you're going to have to go Debo uh, at least $25 million as well. And since he has unique value because of his ability to be a running back, I 
high quality running back as well as a receiver. I think he's going to be the more expensive out of these three, Brown, Metcalf, and himself. I think he gets the more lucrative deal. Now, I don't know what happens if Debo says, I don't ever want to play here under any circumstance. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens then. Trade offers weren't really what San Francisco was looking for. Apparently, the Jets offered uh, the 10th overall pick and a 5th and wanted a 2nd in return. The Lions inquired the offer was light. Ian Rappaport, NFL Media, said it was a 1st and a 3rd. But Debo's still San Francisco. One thing we know won't happen with Debo, I shouldn't say won't but shouldn't, is he's going to show up the first day of training camp because of the way the rules work in the CBA. That if you... Don't show up to the first day of training camp. You don't get an accrued season, a year of service for free agency. No matter how many games you ultimately play, he has three accrued seasons. You need four to be unrestricted. If he played out his contract, he would have three. They'd have the right to make him an unrestricted free agent, stick a first-round tender on him. They still could franchise him because a first-round draft pick is compensation under an unmatched offer sheet. Might not be enough. But we'll see where this Debo thing goes um, as well. But money, my experience as an agent, solves a lot of problems. We'll see if that'll be the case here. Well, that's going to be it for this week's Inside the Cap. Um, Don't forget you can find me on Twitter. That is Corey Joel, C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And check out my work at cbssports.com called Agents Take. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you back here next time. Uh, Goodbye.